Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. Before we begin today, I didn't turn my mic on. Before we begin today, I wanted to just, I wanted to let you know there's notes on the back side of your bulletin that you begin to take some notes on, but I also wanted to let you know that this weekend I have changed, if you've been in a ministry, you get this, I have changed this message four times and wrestled with it since Wednesday. And, and I believe that God has something that he wants me to share. And, and really, it's just going to be something simple. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's simplistic. Let me say that again. Just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's simplistic. And I believe that it can be life-changing to us. And this whole series, I believe, can be something that God uses as a foundation for your life if you'll build upon it week by week. And so you need to be here each week because I believe that God is building upon a foundation. So as we get ready to get started this morning, I want us to pray together and just ask the Lord to to open our hearts and to use my words to be his words so that that what he wants communicated to you will be done so. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for this time that we have together. I thank you that this is your house. These are your people. Thank you for the joy of serving in your harvest field and being your co-labor. Thank you for the call of God on my life. But Lord, my words would be nothing if they're not spirit-empowered and spirit-anointed. So God, I pray as I yield my mind and my will and my emotions to you in this moment that you would speak through me, that you would bring about life change in your people. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to catch a vision, God, of how you view and see us and what it's like as we live in this world yearning for the next. And I pray all these things to be done in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. amen. Now as we get started, I want you to say this with me. Say, now and not yet. Come on, say it again. Say now and not yet. I really want you to capture this. And this is the one thing that I want you to take away with you as you leave here today. Now and see only half of you've got it. So we have to keep doing this until it's two or three or four o'clock or until we just stay here for six o'clock. I don't know. So it is now and the guy in the front row is like, I'm going to be loud so we can get out of here. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be loud now and not yet. Now, I want you to turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And while you're turning there, we're going to come back to this thought, the now and the not yet. And last week, as we started this series of New You, Joe inspired us. He talked about this new season. And I've been mulling over that all week in my mind. He did such a great job. And as I was thinking about this, I think sometimes our lives are like a rubber band, that we're useless until we're stretched. And that many times when God gets ready to help us step into a new season, he begins to stretch us to make us usable. And we don't like the discomfort of being stretched. And some of you are in that position right now. Some of you are being stretched and you're uncomfortable and you're asking God, God, why? God, why do I have to go through this? What's happening in my life? Just know that you're being stretched so that you can step into a new season. There's another thing I know about a new season is that when you get into the new season, that God didn't give you everything beforehand. How many you know God doesn't give you the whole picture, right? I mean, it wasn't until they stepped into the water that the waters receded. How many you know what I'm talking about? They just stepped into the water because God said to, and then they receded. So sometimes when you even step into your new season, you're being stretched because God is now downloading the rest of what he wants to do in your life in that moment so that you can reach your optimum fulfillment. So God's will can be completed in your life so that you can experience the maximum potential that God has for you in that moment. And that's the new season. But in order to step into that new season, or maybe you feel like you're already there, I believe you have to understand this foundational piece that you and I are a new creation. And so many of us don't walk around with this on the forefront of our minds, or it's not been activated within our heart or within our spirit. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about that we are a new, we are a new creation. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and all of this is from God. 
Now, let me take a little look, a little closer look at this passage because it's written by Paul. And Paul was probably one of the smartest people on the planet. But he was also a religious zealot. In fact, he was a religious zealot that was destroying God's people. He was destroying the church. He was he was blaspheming the church. He was, he was breathing these murderous threats against the church. And he would go around and destroy the work of God. And here's the apostle Paul. And one day he, was, he got his orders to go down to Damascus. And he's going to go down there. He's going to do what he does best. He's going to destroy the church. And while he's on his way there, this bright light appears. And as it appears to him, he falls down. And he says, who are you, Lord. And the voice speaks to him and he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And the Bible says that he opened up his eyes and he could not see. Three days later, a man named Ananias came to him and prayed for him and scales fell off of his eyes and he began to see. And when he got up from that prayer, he was no longer Saul, but he was Paul. Are you with me? What I'm saying is if there's anybody that understands about what it is to become a new creation, it was Paul. Paul was a blasphemer of the church. He was a persecutor of the church. Now he's a builder of the church. He was once Saul. Now he's Paul. He was once somebody that blasphemed, murders, threats towards the church. Now he's encouraging, edifying, and building up the church. There was a transformation that happened in his life. Are you with me? He understood best what it was like to be a new creation. And the Bible says in this passage that we just read that therefore he says that everything that I've spoken to you is true, building on the foundation of everything that I've currently given you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is Paul's favorite expression, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, over and over again. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it refers to that moment, that redemptive moment where you ask Christ into your life and your whole life was changed because you realized that you were a sinner, that you needed God's grace and mercy. You realized that you were a debtor and that you could not pay that debt and you needed someone else to step up to the plate and pay that debt for you. And you realized that the only person that could do that was Jesus, that he'd already done it. And so you accepted Christ in your life and you became in Christ. It was actually a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians church. And he said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Because I pray that, the, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. God came into your life and he invaded your life and you became a new creation. It was by your invitation that he stepped into your life and your life was transformed. Your life was made new. The Bible says that the old is passed away and that all things become new. I love the grammar that's spelled out in this. And without getting too technical, it just means this, that when he says that the old has passed away, it's really, it refers to a, a completed act in the past, that redemptive work on Calvary. And when it says that the new has come, it refers to a past completed act with abiding results. That now that we're abiding in Christ, that we're in fellowship with, that we're connected to the vine, that there are tangible results as a result of those things. That the old is gone and behold, all things have become new. So you understand that we've literally moved from death into life, from darkness into light, that our life has been completely transformed, that it's been completely rebuilt, that can be completely rescripted. That the Bible says that you are a brand new creation. Now listen, it wasn't a remakeable you. There's so many people that believe that, that when God came to their life, that it was kind of like these flip shows that we see on TV. That people go in and they, they see a house and, and they're like, well, yeah, we can flip it. And so they put a coat of paint on it. They put some new cabinetry in it. They put some new countertops on it. They put some new tile down on the floor. They put some new carpet in some areas. And it's transformed. That's our understanding of transformation. That's not biblical transformation. Biblical transformation is he doesn't remake you. He totally creates something new. So you come when you have this rundown old house that needs to be flipped. And he goes, I don't, I don't want your house. In fact, if you give me your heart, I'll just tear it down and I'll build the space. I just want to build on the site that's there because I'm going to create a brand new you. 
I'm going to create a brand new you on the inside. I'm going to start with on the inside of you, that real person that's there, the spirit man that indwells you. And I'm going to breathe upon you, the Ruach, the breath, the spirit of God. And I'm going to cause something to spring up that has never been there before. I'm going to demolish the old. It's completely gone. And the new is coming. In fact, it has already come. That's what he does in our lives. See, we don't have this understanding. It's not just an improved you. See, some people go, oh man, my life is so messed up. I've seen this for all these years of ministry. My life is so messed up, Pastor. I need Jesus. And they ask Christ to come in life, and they're trying to get an improved them. They're trying to get an improved version of who they are. God doesn't, God, yes, that happens. But can I tell you, it's far deeper than that. You don't just get an improved version of yourself. You get a brand new self. Are you with me? See, this is so important for you to understand because we walk around and what we do is we look at ourselves and we look at our limitations and we look at our sin and we look at our entanglements and we look at our sin habits and we look at the things we keep falling into and then we realize, man, I'm just not gonna be everything that God has created me to be. No, no, you're looking at the old self that has already passed away and God said, I'm creating something new in you, a brand new creation that's rising up on the inside of you. It starts right here. See, some of you gave your life to Christ. You went and looked in the mirror and you go, the pimples are still there. The gray's still there. The hair's gone. The sagging's still there. Oh God, you said a new you. This isn't what I had in mind. That's not what God was focused on at all. He's not focused on the outer. He said man focuses on the outer. I focus on the inner. I focus on the spirit man, the one that's going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. See, the flesh is going to pass away, but the new you that he's created is the spirit man on the inside of you. And he starts with building that up. He starts with breathing life into that so that those valley of dry bones can come alive on the inside of you. It's a brand new you. The old is gone. Behold, all things become become new. I think that's why the Christian life isn't about becoming a better moral person. It's not really about that. Does that happen? Of course it happens. But that's not what the Christian life is about. The Christian life isn't about becoming some place of moral perfection. That's not what it's about. The Christian life is entirely a spiritual reality in which we have allowed the spirit of Christ to come into our life and transform us into Jesus's image. We're not just trying to get a better you. We're trying to be made in the image and likeness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For some of you, that's not how you feel this morning. I understand. So when I talk about a new creation, the reason why some of you didn't engage, the reason why some of you weren't excited is because I'm going, there's a new creation. You're you're walked out of the darkness and into his marvelous life. I talked about you walked into the new life of God. There's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this hope does not disappoint. And you're sitting there looking at me. And I get it because your reality right now is is that's not how you feel. Because you've been dealing with problems all week long. You've been dealing with sin habits all week long. You've been dealing with poor decisions maybe all week long. You've been dealing with things that are in your past that are still catching up to you and that that the dividends are still paying into your future even though you made those decisions years ago and they're affecting your present. And when you look into the mirror and when you see yourself, you don't look and you don't see that new creation. What you see is, is you see your sinfulness. You see how many times you've made a mistake. You see your lostness. You see maybe your poverty. You see that you've, you're about to lose your home or your car or you just lost your job. You see yourself as in those ways and that's very real as well. So where's the new? I mean, if the old has passed away and behold, all things have become new. God, where is the, where's the new? Where'd it go? Why isn't it working for me? And I've heard some people say that in the past. They go, pastor, this Christianity thing, it doesn't work for me. And it breaks my heart because yes, it does. The gospel works for everybody around the world. That's why it is encircling the entire globe. That is why the church is being built up. That's why the church is advancing. That's why this message still works 2,000 years later. Because it works for every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, and every culture. So it breaks my heart when I hear this. I tried it. It just doesn't work for me. 
Yeah, it does. You just didn't understand this principle. What is it? The now and the... We are gonna be here till six o'clock tonight. <laughs> Lord, I asked you for help. I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Because you don't understand the principle of the now and the not yet. So I understand your reality. And see, we look at the Apostle Paul and we see this incredible transformation in the book of Acts and we're like, wow, here's the Apostle Paul. He went from Saul to Paul and now he has written half of the New Testament. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Paul who went out into the Gentiles. Are you with me? But here is what this apostle, this great man of God, this great church planter, this guy who understood what the new creation in him was all about. Here's what he penned in Romans chapter seven. He said this, and this deals with you and your current reality. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. Anybody been there? But I do what I hate. Well, that's a strong word that he used there, isn't it? This is the apostle Paul, the one that was shipwrecked and left for dead. The one that has written all these epistles. These one who's, who's written these epistles while he was in chains and in bondage for the cause of Christ. This is Paul. And he goes, I keep doing things that I hate to do. Can anybody relate to that? I keep saying the things I don't want to say. I keep acting the way I don't want to react. I keep reacting to things I don't, in the way I don't want to react to. Is anybody out there hearing what I'm saying? This is Paul, and he's saying, I understand where you are. Because I keep doing the things I don't want to do. In fact, I hate that I even do those things. Verse 16. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And it is... It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin that is living in me. Now, listen, let me pause here. Should we continue to sin that grace may abound? No, this is not an excuse. This is not a get out of jail free clause, right? Paul said it himself. He said, should we continue to sin that grace may abound? He said, heaven forbid. No, right? It's not an excuse. We have to do everything we can to live in holiness and purity and be in unity one with another. So this is not a get out of jail for free card. But he said, it's the sin that lives within me. For I know, verse 18, that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is, it's my sinful nature. How many of you know we all have been birthed into a sinful nature, every one of us? The fall happened in, that, in the Garden of Eden. And every since then, every single person has been born with a sin nature within them. In fact, the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can even know it? Some people will tell you that humanity is good and we're able to do some good things. But I'm telling you, at the very root of our heart, we are sinful by birth. And we are lost without God. He said, for if I have these desires to do what is good, I cannot carry it out. For I do not do, what it, I do, not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do, I don't want to do it. This I keep on doing. So I just keep doing these evil things. I keep doing these wrong things. Paul, Paul. He's my hero. And I don't want to look at him like this. He's my favorite Bible character. He's the guy I want to meet right after Jesus. I'm shaking Jesus' hand, hugging, fall at his feet. And about 10,000 years later, I want to find Paul. And Paul's saying, I keep doing evil things. I keep messing up my life. I keep doing things I don't want to do. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. But it's the sin that's living in me that does it. It's that sin nature. He's already defined it. Verse 21. For I find that this law is at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there before me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. And I see another law that's at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. He said, there's two laws at work. There's two natures at work. There are two things that are happening in my life simultaneously. There is the law and there's the nature that's bent on sin. And then there's God and his freedom that he provides for me. And they're both warring and trying to win me over. And so many times I fall to this side of the equation and I make a mistake. 
And some of you, you've made mistakes and you're here and you haven't been here in weeks, but you came here today because you had stumbled and you'd fallen and you're embarrassed and all of a sudden you find yourself outside of the blessing of God or maybe outside of the church because you're afraid to step into the house of God in the condition you're in. Can I just tell you, that's the enemy. That's completely the enemy. He wants to isolate you to destroy you. That God loves you, we love you, we're glad that you're here and there's not one perfect person in here, so you're welcome to be here, amen. Amen. And when I look at what Paul is writing, he says there's these two things that are at war and though I come over here and I stumble and fall, you know the Bible says though a righteous man stumbles, he gets up seven times. It dawned on me years ago, what makes him righteous? He keeps stumbling and falling. It's the fact that he didn't quit that he got back up again, that he kept trying, that he kept trusting God, that he kept putting his faith back in God, that he kept moving on, that he kept moving forward, that he didn't quit. And maybe you're here and that's the word for you. Don't quit. Yes, you may not be where you want to be in your relationship with God. Yes, you may not be as holy as you want to be. Yes, you may have messed up last night or maybe this morning on the drive here. But God's great mercy reaches out to you and his mercies are made new to you each and every morning and his grace is sufficient for you and he loves you and there's nothing you can do to make him love you more or less. That's the gospel. And that's what Paul understood and that's what we don't understand. So we live in so much fear and so much condemnation because when we mess up and we go, oh, the standard that the church has set is holy and perfect and purity, and I keep messing up, I just don't belong there. Yes, you do. You just don't understand this. That just like Paul, the Paul, he's Paul. <laughs> this is, I'm talking about Paul. He, he says, I keep doing these evil things. I keep doing these things I don't want to do. I keep messing up. Verse 22, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see this other law at work in me. It's waging against the law of my mind. It makes me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Verse 24, listen to what he says. This is Paul. What a wretched man I am. I look at what Paul did in his lifetime and I go, I have no chance. (laughs) Like if he's wretched and he's barely getting in, I've got no chance, but I've got my eyes on the wrong thing. See, if that's my attitude and that's your attitude, then we have our eyes on ourselves. Of course we don't have a chance. That's the whole reason Jesus came. The whole reason Jesus came was to put in something on the inside of you, a brand new creation that he could start from scratch and build it the way he wanted to build it for his kingdom's sake and for his glory. And he'll empower you and equip you so you can do his work. But we get our eyes off of us. We get our eyes on ourselves. We'll stumble and fall each and every time. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to this death? Then he answers this question. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, my body, my flesh, I'm a slave to the law of sin. See, Paul always wrote with this eschatological bent. Let me help you understand. That just means end times, like futuristic. And what he was doing is when he was writing here, what he, what, so for many of us, here's what we do. We, don't, we live in the now and we lose track of the not yet. But Paul always understood the not yet. He goes, though I'm in prison, I rejoice all the more. How could he do that? Because he understood that the not yet was just as much a reality in his life as the right now. And for you and I, we live in the physical reality. We put all of our attention and all of our time and all of our emotion into the now. And the now becomes so big right around us and right in front of us that we can't see the not yet. And we lose track of the not yet. But the not yet is a reality. It is a truthful reality. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That was a reality. He knew that as a matter of fact. 
And because that was a reality in his life, he's able to say, I rejoice all the more that I'm in shackles because I'm doing this for the cause of Christ. And he's able to rejoice in the words that he uses in Philippians as he's writing is rejoice and joyful and joy. And you're like, how is that possible? Because he was believing in the not yet that was coming. And for so many of you, there's a not yet that's coming, but your now is so heavy and so big, you can't believe it and you can't see it. And so you don't believe it's a reality. But see, God starts small on the inside of you. And the reason why that you struggle and you fumble and you fall, and the reason why that you continue to stumble and fall down, the reason why you continue to sin, the reason why you continue to trip over yourself, the reason why you continue to stumble in your in your in your spirit, in your uh, sinful nature. It's because you don't, you don't have a vision of the not yet. Oh yeah, if this is where I am now, it doesn't change this reality. Right now, I've stumbled and fallen. Right now, I've made this decision. Right now, I've made a poor choice. Right now, yes, that's true. And I've asked God to forgive me. And my not yet's coming because the Bible says that all the promises of God are yea and amen to them that believe. And those promises are gonna come true in my life and they're gonna come true in your life if we'll believe. And I'm gonna hold on to those promises and I'm gonna see every single one of them fulfilled because that's God's not yet for me. It may be in the future, but it is a reality that I'm holding on to. I'm not just living in the now. I'm also living in the not yet. And Paul had a bigger picture of the not yet than he did his now. And some of you need to flip it because you're not, your right now is bigger than your not yet. Oh, I also, I'm not making any sense here this morning. Because I'm preaching way better than you're letting on. Come on. See, this is what you stumble over so often in your life is you let the right now destroy you. You let the right now cause you to have fear. You let the right now allow these discouragement or disbelief to come in your life and it robs you of the faith that God has placed in your life and what he's doing on the inside of you. He's building a new creation on the inside of you. You can't look at the right now. It, it is a reality, and maybe your reality is pain and sorrow and sickness, and maybe, maybe you have experienced all kinds of tragedy, and I get it, and I'm not lessening that. I'm simply telling you that there's a not yet that's coming. See, when you look in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, they all had a not yet kind of mentality. They were all able to step in by faith and believe God for something greater or something bigger. And if you're going to step into your new season, and if you're going to change and become a new you, you're going to have to step into this new way of thinking in your mind. There has to be a paradigm shift within your spirit that says, I'm not living in the now. That's not controlling me. I'm going to live in the not yet. I'm believing God for what is coming. I'm believing God for what he's promised. I'm believing God for what he's spoken over my life. I'm believing God for what has been prophesied over me. I'm believing God for what he says in his word. I'm believing God for every one of those promises. I'm believing God. That's my not yet. It's coming. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next week. But it's coming. It's just not yet here. See, that's reality. So, oh, pastor, no, no, you're just getting people excited. That's Paul's reality. That's Paul's reality. He's, I'm shipwrecked, ref for dead. I know what it's like, he said, to live naked. And I mean, I don't know that, thank God. You're glad for that too, I can tell you. He goes, I know what it's like if I didn't have any food. He goes, I know what it's like. He's, I know, yeah, I, he lists all of these things. But he said, but I'm not forsaken. Why? Because I know that my not yet's coming. I know there's a day that God's going to redeem all these things. That these, what did he say? These are light and momentary afflictions. See, sometimes we go through something for, at work for an hour. Because we go on our lunch break and somebody says something bad to us and our whole world blows up. Come on. You got to have more faith than that. You got to have a bigger testimony than that. Come on, you got to rise up and let, let God do something on the inside of you, be a, that new creation that he's trying to build so that your life becomes so, so incredibly in tune with God that people see Christ in you and they're drawn to you. Live a life worthy of somebody wanting to follow it. For so many of us, here's our testimony. Oh, the devil's been beating me down all week long. 
Would you just pray for me, brothers and sisters, that I'll get through this week? How many of you know, somebody sitting around you that doesn't know Christ is going, I don't want that kind of God, right? The Bible says that we serve a God of victory, that God has made us the head and not the tail. He said that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, that you're victorious in this world. You don't have to wait to the next world. You're going to be victorious right here. He told us that we are going to prosper and be in health, even in our soul prosper. He told us that the blessings of God are going to be poured out upon us if we follow his word and we do it his way. That's what God promised. That's the not yet. It's coming. Yeah. Just turn to your neighbor and say, it's coming. See, it's coming. There's a new creation that is rising up on the inside of you that God is trying to build. You got to get out of the now, the reality of the now, and realize the reality of the not yet is just as real as the now. See, there's three forms of freedom at work that Paul can talk about. And let me give you, I don't mean to be like Bible school here, but let me give you three things quickly. First thing is justification. It's freedom from sin's penalty. Justification in layman's terms just means just as though it never happened. And the moment you gave your life to Jesus, the freedom of sin's penalty was given to you. Jesus covered you with a robe of righteousness. He clothed you. He put his blood upon you and you were completely and absolutely forgiven. Amen. It happened in that moment. But when you ran home and looked in the mirror and you went, Hey, what happened? I'm still overweight. (laughs) Or before you even got home, you said something you shouldn't said. You went, wait a minute. I thought I was made whole. I thought I was a new creation. I thought the old was gone. It did. But there's another freedom called sanctification. And sanctification is freedom from sin's power. The Bible tells us that the same same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And that spirit is on the inside of us. And it teaches us, listen, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So it's not like you flip a switch and all of a sudden you're perfectly whole. It's not like you flipped a switch when you gave your life to Christ and all of a sudden you're perfect and all of a sudden you're holy and all of a sudden you're pure. The only reason why you are able to stand in the presence of God because Jesus put a robe of righteousness on you so when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. But that process of sanctification, that freedom from sin's power is a process that you have to submit to. This same apostle Paul says, you know what I'm learning to do? He says, I'm learning to die daily to myself so that Christ in me can live. We have to learn to put ourselves on the altar of God. We have to learn to die to our own desires. We have to learn to die to those things that are temptations in our lives and turn those over to God and overcome those things. It's a process. And the third one is glorification. And this is the power of the freedom from sin's presence. That will happen when you stand in the presence of God and you give your life to Christ and you receive your glorified body. It may happen sooner than later. Maybe the rapture of the church will happen this afternoon. You won't even have to come back at six o'clock. Some of you are happy about that. I don't know if I like that or not, but. And you receive your glorified body and forever free from the presence of sin. What a day. What a day. See, that's the freedom that's at work. Let me move along here in my notes so we finish. We're running out of time. I'm at, you, may, you preached to me. You, you brought it out of me today, so I have, have too much fun here. Let me just give you two quick things and a story. As a new creation, I think number one, this is what you need to understand, as a new creation. Joe touched upon it last week, so I'm not going to say much about it, but you cannot live in your past. If you're going to live with a now and a not yet mentality, you cannot live in your past. God is not in your past. Your freedom is not in your past. Your deliverance is not in your past. Your new season is not in your past. Where God is taking you is not in your past. You cannot live in the past and experience all the new that God wants to bring in your life. God wants to bring you into a new season. He wants to do something new on the inside of you as a new creation, and he's building upon it day by day, though outwardly we waste away. The Bible says inwardly we're being renewed day by day. He's renewing us every single day, something new. But we cannot live in the past and see that happen. Living in the past drains you of your joy, and it drains you of your hope. 
Listen to me. When you gave your life to Christ, there was a transformation that has occurred and you stepped out of darkness into his marvelous life. You went from death to life and you became a new creation. But the passage says, even though it says the old is gone, you cannot live there because it's what it is. It's gone. But how many of us try to step back there? You can't live in your past and experience the new that God has for you. You can't do it. The transformation that occurs is kind of like a caterpillar being transformed into a butterfly. Can I tell you, I don't know much about you know, that part of biology or science. What, I don't even know. But here's what I do know. That once that caterpillar turns into a butterfly, that butterfly never crawls on the ground again. Because now he has wings and he can fly. God has created you to fly. And some of you want to hold on to your old self. And you want to hold on to your past. And you want to hold on to those people that mistreated you. And you want to hold on to those judgments. And you want to hold on to those things. And it pulls you down. And even though you have been transformed and made into a wonderful butterfly that can fly, you're crawling on the ground inch by inch. There's an old beggar that stood outside the king's castle. Somebody from the king's court came out and put on the wall. It says, there's a banquet being held by the king. And anyone in the entire province that's dressed in royal robes is allowed to attend this banquet. Well, the beggar saw that. He began to walk away sad. All he had on him were the only clothes that he'd owned. And he'd had them on for years. And he realized that these rags would not be considered royalty. And he couldn't get into the royal feast. But he really wanted to go in and see the king. He really wanted to see the castle. He really wanted to experience at least one time what it would be like. He turned around and he walked to the gate. He said, I would like to have an appointment with the king. To his amazement, the doors opened. He said, come on in. He was ushered off into this incredible room with high ceilings. And the king came out and he sat on his throne. He says, how may I help you? He said, well, you're having a, a royal feast, a banquet. And anyone is available to come. He said, yes. He said, but you have to have royal garments on in order to come. And I have no royal garments. And so if it be your pleasure, sir, and he bows down. Because he doesn't know if he should be afraid of his life. He begins to tremble with fear. He realizes maybe he's asking for too much. He bows his head. If it wouldn't be too much, sir, if, it, if it's not asking too much, maybe you have a robe that you're no longer using that I could wear so I could come to your feast. He summoned his son. His son came in. He says, take him to your room. And he says, and give him a new, a new robe and take away all of the old things that are there and give him something that'll last for the rest of his life. He's ushered off by the prince. They end up in his room. He takes the robe off. He's given a bath. When he gets out of the bath, this beautiful new clothes are placed on him. A beautiful royal robe was placed upon him. The prince tells him, you'll never need to use those, those, you'll never need those rags again, ever. He said, you can just leave him here. We'll discard him. And he turned around to walk out and he was feeling pretty confident, pretty sure of himself. He looked good for the first time in years. But something crawled back on the inside of his heart and he turned back around and he scooped up those rags. Well, the night came for the royal feast and he didn't enjoy it very much. Because there were so many people, they were passing the entrees around quickly. And he had those rags tied up on his lap and they kept dropping on the floor. And every time he would bend over to pick them up, there was something else that passed him by. And he was getting frustrated. And then it came time for the, the entertainment and, and he was carrying it around and he couldn't really greet people. And they were hugging and they were embracing and they were giving handshakes. And he just had one hand and he just was uncomfortable the entire night. A few weeks later, he was in the hospital. The king heard about it. He showed up by his bedside. And he noticed that those filthy rags were still laying there on his bed. The king said, Did, didn't we tell you, didn't my son tell you that you would never need those rags again? And it was in that moment that he realized that by carrying around his past, that he had forgotten to be able to live 
with joy for his whole life. And now it was too late. That story is so like our experience with God. That he promises to make not just a remodel job, but a new creation on the inside of us. Something completely brand new, something from start, something that he's going to build with his own hands and give us a brand new beginning. But we scoop up those old rags and we carry them around with us wherever we go. Well, my dad did this to me when I was young. Well, my mom did this to me. But you don't understand the house that I live in. You don't understand the teachers I've had. You don't understand the pastors that I've had. You'd understand I didn't get the opportunities that some people have. You'd understand that because of my color of my skin, I wasn't given the opportunities that you have. You don't understand that because I speak a different language, I'm not able to do some of the things that you've been able to do. And we scoop those up and we use those as excuses in our lives. When God says, I want you to be blessed. I want to show forth my glory through your life. I want you to be the head, not the tail. I want you to be blessed when you come and when you go. I want you to have everything. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to have life abundantly. I want you to have life to the full. But because we're carrying these rags around, we don't get to experience the joy of this life. We're too busy living in the now that we don't believe for the not yet. That's what the old man's problem was in the story. For you, a lot of you, that's your problem as well. It's time to flip it. That the now is just a light and momentary affliction, but the not yet is on its way. That the now is real, and yes, it hurts, and yes, it's painful, but guess what? There's a not yet that's coming that far exceeds my wildest dreams and expectations. That I know that what God is about to do in my life will far exceed anything else that would happen in my life. Musicians, why don't you come on up? We're almost done. Number two, the last point. Is that we have to live with a renewed sense of purpose. If we're gonna live the now, not yet life, or we're gonna live this new creation life on the inside of us, you're gonna to have to let God speak to you and give you a renewed sense of purpose. I said it earlier, a new creation, you're not a remake, you're filled with purpose and you're filled with destiny. When God spoke into your life and when God breathed into your life and what God came into your life, the Bible says that in Ephesians chapter two and verse 10, that we are God's handiwork, that God is working. He's building us. He's making us with his own hands. And he created in Christ Jesus for us to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Prepared in advance for us to do. There's good works. There's things for us to accomplish. Church, can I tell you this? And when you wake up in the morning, you should say, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, what have you got for me today? What's the new journey? What's the new excitement? What's the new experience? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to meet? God, I realize that my purpose is tied into your purpose. I realize there's a redemptive thread that runs through it. Help me to be salt and light today. Let me not be ashamed of the gospel. Let me go forth and let me proclaim your loving kindness to all the people that I meet. But God, you've got specific things for me to do today. I've got a new calling on my life, a new purpose today. What is it? Because see, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, just a few verses down from that new creation, it tells us why we were made a new creation. Because God is giving every single one of us the message or the ministry of reconciliation. As though God was making his statement, his message. He was delivering it through us. You sit there and you go, I don't know what my life's purpose is. Can I tell you? The fastest way to find your specific life purpose is to win souls for Jesus. So I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. Then just get involved in God's kingdom. Just do something to help build God's kingdom. Just let your light shine. Just make it a point that you're going to be redemptive because God is trying to reconcile people to himself and he does it through you. That's your renewed purpose today. 
When you wake up and you don't know what to do and you don't know what you're becoming, you don't know the direction you're going, and maybe you're one of those spots in life where you either have to go left or you have to go right. And there's those moments. For seniors that are in high school, they get to there and everybody's asking you the question, what are you gonna do when you graduate? And for a lot of you, you're going, I don't know, and you feel guilty about that. Don't feel guilty about that. Just put God first and say, God, you want me to go left? You want me to go right? God, my steps are ordered by you. For the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And I'm gonna trust you that you're big enough because you put the whole universe in place. And you have orchestrated my days and you've numbered my days and you've put my days in a book of life and you know me full well. And because you're powerful enough, because you're big enough, because you're strong enough to do all those things, you can get me to where you want me to be. So I'm not going to worry about where I'm going. I'm just going to worry about my today. God, where do you want me to go today? I'll do what you want me to do today. I'll be obedient today. I'm realizing that today you called me to something, that you've created good works for me today. I realize that today you're building something in me. You're helping me to experience things today that are going to be beneficial to my future. So today, what's today, God, look like? It's so funny because when I was a, a young man just a couple years ago, that's not a joke. What's a, what? A few years ago, I'll say. They used to say, what's your three-year and your five-year and your 10-year goals? Anybody remember that? Time is moving so fast. Technology is moving so fast. The world is changing so quickly. You know what they say today to young people? What are your three-month goals, your six-month goals, and your one-year goal? Because one year from now, everything will be so different that you'll have to reset your life. So don't worry about 10 years, five years, or three years. Can I just help you a little bit better with that? You don't even have to worry about what's, I'm not against goal setting, but I'm just saying, you don't have to worry about three years or one year. Just worry about today. God, I wanna please you with all of my heart. I know you're building something on the inside of me. I know there's something far better for me that's coming. And I wanna step into everything that you have for me, so God, I'm going to step into the right now, knowing that the not yet is coming. I'm going to experience your right now for me, knowing that the not yet's even better. I'm going to be obedient in the now, knowing that the not yet's going to be even better. That the fruit of my obedience is coming in the not yet, but I have to be obedient in the right now. Anybody hearing me? See, it's the faithfulness, then the fruit follows. It's faithfulness, then the fruit follows. And I'm going to be faithful today, God, knowing that you're guiding me and you're directing me and your fruitfulness is going to happen. Your harvest is going to happen in my life because the not yet's just around the corner and I'm not giving up on the not yet, but I want to be faithful in the right now. So this morning, I know we've already prayed. I know we've had communion, but I want to pray one more prayer with you. If you're here this morning, you're saying, God, I want you to guide my steps. I want you to help me in the right now, but I want to shift my mentality from a now mentality to a not yet mentality. I want the not yet to be bigger than my now. I don't want to get bogged down in the now. I want to have the lens that Paul had, that these are light and momentary afflictions. The God, that you're building something in me that far exceeds what I could ever ask, dream, or imagine. And I realize that now. And it's my response to those things that are going to either up, open up the not yet or cause me to repeat the grade. See, some of you have been in third grade spiritually your whole lives. Come on. Can we just be honest? I'm your pastor. I love you. But some of us have been in third grade spiritually our whole lives. And we have to keep repeating the grade. Because how we respond to that stretching is what opens up the door. And if we don't learn the lesson, if we don't realize that God's building something in us, if we fight against it, the Bible says it's though we're kicking against the goads. How I many you know those are big, long needles? And we're warring against God himself. He's trying to do something in our life. So it starts with the now, but it's also with the knowledge of the not yet's coming.
you want a shift to happen in your life this morning, don't you stand to your feet. I want to pray over you. Come on. So I need a shift to happen in my life. Look at maybe two people. I don't care if it's two, 20, or 200. I, it, it's you being honest with yourself and with God right now. But I do believe that God wants to do something starting with you right here in your heart. A transformation. Not a remodel job, a brand new beginning. Or something new is being birthed on the inside of you to prepare you for a new season, a new day. Put your hands over your heart right here. God, we love you. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes, God, we stumble and fall. Sometimes we need correction and sometimes we just need understanding. And God, I pray today I've been able to provide that for some that are here, especially those that are standing it. Lord, that we get so involved in the right now that we, God, we lose track of the not yet. And Lord, just like Paul, he stumbled and he fell. He didn't quit. He learned to develop a vision that was beyond his today. But Lord, it's faithfulness today that opens up the door for the not yet. So God, help us to be faithful in the small things. Help us to be faithful in the now things. Help us to be faithful in what you want us to do today. For every day is a gift from you. Every day is a day where destiny is written upon our doorstep. Every day is a day of purpose, a day of celebration, a day of thanksgiving, a day of gratitude, a day, God, where you can work through us to change people's lives. It's today. And God, when we do the same thing tomorrow and it becomes a today and the next day becomes a day and the day after that becomes a day and then there's a series of days that become years, we will look back and we will see how far we have come because you have guided us all along the way. You are faithful. You're the Lord of hosts. So change us right now. Help us, God, to have a new revelation, a new understanding on the inside of us. God, that you're developing something new and you're building upon that. And your word says it's our responsibility to work out what you're working in. Let us not fight it. Let us not war against it. Let us not wrestle against it or kick against the goats, God, because we're fighting you. It's a losing battle. Let us learn to submit ourselves so you can have your work in us, so we can go to the next level, so we can have all that you want us to have, and we can be all that you want us to be. So I pray, God, a special anointing upon those that are standing in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that your hand would come upon them right now, the God that you would let them recapture, God, a new purpose, a new sense of destiny, a new sense of understanding. And that, God, that you would begin to order their steps and make it so abundantly clear, oh God, that they, would, that they would not be discouraged or have faith, God, to step out into that unknown and see your handiwork begin to be on display for all to see. Do your work in us as new creations of Christ. God, I pray your blessing upon us as we go. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for our worship. Thank you for meeting us in communion. Thank you for being here, God, in this morning. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelst.com or on any social media platform at faithchapelst. We hope to see you real soon.